Welcome back to the Wind Manager Podcast. In this episode, we're going to check in with Michael Winston from FiveServe on how he's been handling the remote and distributed workers that uh, popped onto the WAN in the past few months and uh, see how the network is holding up, uh, the pain points he encountered, and uh, what changes he expects to linger after this uh, pandemic is done or maybe even become permanent. So before we get to that interview, as usual, I wanted to review a little bit of relevant data. As part of our ongoing effort to keep up on the state of the WAN from the corporate IT infrastructure side, we created an addendum to the 2020 WAN Manager Survey specifically about the impact of global lockdowns and uh, work from home orders that have resulted from the pandemic. So I should note here that we are still collecting data and will be into uh, the end of quarter three here in 2020. So if you're a WAN manager and you're listening to this, please stop listening. Go right now to our show notes and find the link to our survey and take it. It'll only take a few minutes. Um, but in the meantime, I'm going to go through some of our preliminary findings uh, that we'll officially publish later this year after more people take the survey. Uh, so first, we asked about uh, the the move of workers to remote or distributed work and connecting into the WAN. And so far, a plurality, about two in five, say they have an 80-20 split uh, of remote and on-site workers. Uh, but interestingly, about one in five said that 100% of workers were, were off-site during the lockdown. So obviously, your line of business uh, matters to that and, and the, the types of workers that you have. Um, but it was in, interesting to see that, that uh, there were about 20% of enterprises that responded um, that, that had everyone in the company working off-site uh, during their respective countries' lockdowns. So we also asked about changes to the WAN that were the result of these lockdowns, and about half of respondents said they had canceled or delayed rollouts because of the pandemic. So whether it was from the vendor side and the vendors just couldn't get the people there, or perhaps they couldn't get access into, say, the telephone closet uh, in, in a building downtown, um, but about half of them had had some kind of WAN-oriented rollout delayed uh, because of the pandemic. And another half also said uh, that they had increased bandwidth at or between data centers. So we thought that would be um, a move that a lot of folks would make. And it seems uh, so far about half of them have uh, up their bandwidth um, either at the data center or sort of between data centers in different cities. Uh, then finally, we asked about the main issues, uh, the hurdles that they had to get over uh, as a result of various lockdowns and, and uh, increases in distributed or remote workers. Uh, the key thing that, uh, that folks mentioned the most often uh, and was the, the most often cited as, a, as an important pain point was managing congestion at gateways where they're collecting all the different sign-ons from folks that are distributed that were once in a single office. So uh, usually gateways at a, at a data center, maybe for IPsec or, or SD-WAN. Employee broadband performance was also an issue for many respondents. So obviously uh, some folks have access to very robust broadband, particularly urban and suburban people. But um, when you have uh, say 80% to 100% of your employees working off-site. Some of them are going to have some broadband issues, no doubt. 
And then uh, one that I thought was interesting was that most did not cite as a as a very difficult problem uh, the securing remote access. Um, so apparently the security protocols that that folks had in place um, were up to the task of accommodating all these different uh, sign-on locations and that sort of thing. Okay, so like I said, we're going to publish those official results probably end of quarter three after we get the chance to make sure that uh, plenty of folks can take the survey. And um, uh, that's just a preliminary response, but look forward to that in our WAN Manager survey and on to the interview. Okay, we're here with Michael Winston, who's the Director of Network Design and Architecture at Fiserv Tech. Um, and Michael, I'm wondering if just first you can introduce yourself and uh, maybe a little bit about your company um, uh, and tell us what you do there. Sure, happy to be of service. Good afternoon, um, Michael Winston, Director of Global Network Architecture and Design for Fiserv. We are one of the world's largest financial services, fintech organizations. We do payment processing, banking, government services all around the world. Uh, we have uh, customers and locations in just about every continent, except for maybe the Arctic. My mm -hmm. specific role within Fiserv is my team, which is distributed all around the world. I've got um, architects in um, Asia Pacific. I have architects in Ireland and EMEA, South America, we're responsible for Pfizer for determining the strategic uh, path for network infrastructure technology. Um, that could be on-premises, it could be in public cloud, it could be at service providers. If we help set the stage for how our clients connect in, how the data centers operate a network layer, and just about everything in between. Primarily, our focus is on an 18-month timeline because, um, honestly, having been in this industry as long as I have, I've never seen anything that really pans out if you try to predict it more than 18 months and ahead, hence right. COVID-19. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and even without things like that, the technologies are constantly changing. The the, the suite of vendors out there is constantly changing. That's that's uh, what helps keep telegeography in business, though, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, so so Michael, some folks listening to this might have heard you on our virtual WAN summit uh, back in March, but I kind of wanted to uh, roll back the clock and, and think back uh, to to that time uh, when you talked about this there. But you know, the lockdown um, uh, came pretty quickly, um, uh, and I just going back to when things first started. Um, how much of your workforce was sort of already in an office situation versus at home? And and uh, how, how much of your workforce had to make that uh, rapid transition to distributed or remote working? So we have a number of different business lines. Uh, we have offices where people like you and me go to work every day, do a job nine to five and then leave. We have mm -hmm. manufacturing sites where we make uh credit cards, debit cards, we print statements. Uh, we have a very large uh, print facilities business. And we also have a large number of call centers where we service a number of our banking, debit and credit clients for services for uh, security, fraud, balance checks, things like that. Right. So 
we had a real distributed landscape of individuals that we had to immediately accommodate to moving from a sitting in the workplace to working remotely. And, and it was really challenging because of the distribution of that workforce. Right. You mean the geographic distribution of uh, all over? Yeah. Yeah. So the geographic distribution, the different types of um, work that the folks did. So, for example, the folks that work in a credit card facility where we make uh, credit or debit cards, um, you can't send them home with a printing machine to make right. credit cards out of their yeah. house. Although maybe um, that's coming in the future, right? <laughs> yeah, maybe in the future. Yeah. <laughs> We'll have to worry about PCI really carefully yes. for that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so for us, that was a real challenge. Now, mm-hmm. um, Fiserv was obviously, like everyone else, very concerned for their associates' health and did everything we possibly could to get people safely locked down, regardless of what the local government or state's mandate was, to right. get us to right. safety as quickly as possible. Um, and, and I really appreciate our leadership for that. So somewhere in the middle of March, um, Fiserv senior leadership made a stay home decision, which was primarily directed towards those folks who go to an office nine to five, but are um, easily transitioned to a working remote strategy. Um, We did that by spinning up a number of virtual desktops, both on premises and in public cloud. And a lot of that was enabled because the infrastructure we'd already moved towards um, had embraced public cloud connectivity, internet connectivity, virtualization, and SD-WAN. So while the transition required a lot of work, it wasn't as big a lift as uh, some of our peers might have had. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so a lot of things we've heard from from those peers in surveying for this and whatnot has been things like, you know, getting devices to everyone. Obviously, some people are on desktops in offices. Uh, then other other problems around, say, you know, uh, broadband connectivity for those employees. And then other problems around gateways um, for, uh, you know, say, IPsec or VPN. You said you're already on SD-WAN. Yeah. Um, but uh, out of those things, was there one that was a particular pain point for you or was there something else? So for us, the biggest challenge was in our call center infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Um, we have thousands of call center agents that we needed to immediately move into safety. Um, at first, like other folks, we tried um, rotating the workforce or providing social distancing within the workforce, but that's really not sustainable, um, especially right. if you have a rotating call center where people work in shifts and as try as you might to keep them as sanitary as you can, it can be really challenging. So coming up with the right infrastructure and technology, um, whether it's making sure, as you mentioned, folks had a high-speed broadband connection at home or that we had the right infrastructure connectivity through VPNs or SD-WAN, that that was quite a big effort. I I will tell you, we were really lucky that we were able to spin up as many virtual desktops as we could as quickly as we did um, in a number of different public cloud providers. And, mm-hmm. and for us, because then our end users could reach those public cloud providers via the internet, and then those public cloud services could reach back into our data centers directly, uh, securely, um, it, it enabled us to really distribute that workforce as much as we possibly could. And then right. the folks that had to be in a location, we made sure we moved towards a 
uh, safe for rotation, uh, maintain social distancing. Um, but the, the call centers was probably the most challenging uh, environment to support. We had a, a number of folks who had just laptops um, who went home. And because we are primarily knowledge workers to begin with, um, we've all been accustomed you know, in, in fintech to we always work. We work from home. We work on weekends, whether yeah. you, you know, go back to you know, Blackberries or iPhone yeah. or Android. Right. We've, we've been doing this for 20 years. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I actually, on that note, I wanted to talk a bit about employee broadband and whatnot. But I, I recall, uh, for, again, for those who may not have caught it uh, during the panel in the virtual WAN summit, and, and we've talked subsequently, um, that, that you had said a couple of interesting things. One, that you had a sort of um, uh, SD-WAN device that went home with a lot of those knowledge workers, and that, too, that a lot of them had really big pipes at home. I know I'm, I'm here in Northern Virginia. I have Fios and I, I have more bandwidth, I think, than is connected to our office in downtown DC, right? So um, what was your experience there? If, if you could tell the the listeners here who maybe didn't catch the, the virtual summit. Sure. So we had a number of senior executives who needed a more in-office experience at home then your average knowledge worker does. You don't want the CEO to have to remember to reconnect the VPN every 24 hours. So, you know, we sent some of the, you know, very senior leadership, um, the small form factor SD-WAN platforms that we had been leveraging for the really, really tiny branch offices. And that worked really well because Mm -hmm. um, those senior leadership either had uh, direct internet access that had already been brought to their home um, Uh, mm -hmm. or other VPN access or they had, like you mentioned, high-speed broadband. Me, I'm in uh, central New Jersey. I've got uh, Comcast, which, you know, knock wood, has always been yeah. a very reliable yeah. provider. And I've got one gig internet. But yeah, exactly, yeah. The, the challenge that we found is not yeah. the local access to our end users, right. but rather how they get back into the services they were consuming inside the data centers in public cloud, and how you do that securely, because right. it, it's not simply they're going home and they're going on to you know, publicly accessible websites. They've got to get back to the resources they were using when they were in an office that had, you know, whether it was MPLS connectivity or MPLS plus internet connectivity. So those were you know, some of the things that you know, we were very lucky we had started already to move towards a edge networking footprint Mm-hmm. where through a number of colos around the globe, we've built uh, network access points so that our end users could reach those resources in the most efficient way possible, even by hopping on the internet. Because you certainly don't want your user at home to have a one gig internet connection, but you know the data center has an aggregate of right. 10 gig internet, and you've got 40,000 users yeah. all trying to come in at the same time. So you know, those are some of the planning challenges that you... We didn't really, or no one really anticipated when suddenly you went from, you know, maybe five, 10% of your workforce working remotely to a hundred percent. So big challenge. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You would, you want, you know, if you had asked me this question before all of this happened, I would definitely guess the worst bottlenecks would have been, you know, just contended service in neighborhoods with everybody. And it does that didn't really seem to emerge as a problem. So yeah. the, the centralized gateways were more so it seems. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So, you know, having set all that up and, and, and that's what you did and you guys were in, uh, it sounds like a pretty good position in the first place. 
Uh, any changes now that we're sort of uh, three months on? And um, what does the situation look like uh, from from where you're sitting here in June? So sitting here in June, and, and as you can see by you know, watching the local news, there's still a number of states and a number of countries where there are rising cases. Mm-hmm. So Pfizer still, as I mentioned earlier, um, is most concerned with their associates' well-being and not just putting people back into offices. Absolutely. So even though a number of states have started to relax the, um, you know, the stay-in-place or shelter-in-place orders, um, Pfizer is still making decisions on a location-by-location basis and really leaving it to the local leadership um, or your you know, line manager to make that determination on whether or not your role can be done partially remotely or you know, primarily remotely. I, right. I know, you know personally for me and my team, because we're distributed all around the globe, um, there's no reason for me to, or no value in me going to Jersey City, exposing myself in a you know, large building um, to other folks when all the people who are working for me are all around the world. And, and you know, our leadership is really taking that into account. And, you know, it, it also makes you reexamine your uh, real estate footprint too. Absolutely, so yep. Interesting, you know, combination of effects. Yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've seen several polls floating around from, from different sources that indicate that uh, these workers who uh, have newly gone remote or, or distributed um, uh, realize um, they can demonstrate to their bosses that, uh, that they're still just as productive and um, their bosses are no doubt, like you said, thinking about real estate costs, uh, yeah. I definitely expect to see some some semi-permanent changes uh, arise from this. Uh, you, you think you're going to see the same as well? I, I do think we'll see the same as well. But, you know, it's not just that uh, the workers have become more productive. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I say to my team is, remember, we're working from home. We're not always home working. And that's right. one of the, right. the really challenging things Um has to become how to create that separation when you're at home from the workspace. So we've tried to, you know, encourage, you know, Zoom social gatherings. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, on Friday afternoons, after we're done with all of our meetings, you know, we have a happy hour on, um, you know, some sort of social platform where we get together and, you know, Talk about anything but work, right? So, yes, yeah, and that's that's really important, right? So you don't make those social gatherings a right. recap of what work you did that week. Yeah, you try to right. talk about other things, and um, that's what has been really uh, the hardest thing is losing those social connections. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And and we've been trying really hard to reinforce those things through one on ones, um, through the happy hour ideas. Um, and, and that's been, you know, as effective as it can be. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We here at Telegeography, we do, uh, quizzes. So we'll have like everybody, uh, get on and, and take a, uh, a sort of um, you know quiz competition together since, since we're nerds you know that, that yeah, like trivial pro. pursuit or something yeah exactly yeah. there's there's an online one called sporkle that's sort of like user generated so it's always fresh so huh. it's a lot of fun okay. yeah yeah all right so so michael early on in the episode um i cited some of our survey data um as you know we've, we've run a sort of um mini uh covid oriented um survey as an addendum to our WAN manager survey 
We found so far that about half of WAN managers that we've talked to have delayed rollouts of, of some sort. Um, you, you had mentioned earlier this sort of like 18-month cycle. Were, were you in uh, that cycle of, of adoption of any particular um, uh, new services uh, that, that the pandemic has interrupted? So I think like uh, a lot of my peers, we experienced uh, supply line challenges um, with the COVID hitting first in um, China, where a lot of the network infrastructure stems from. Um, so that, that's certainly been challenging. We've seen some delays in um, getting that infrastructure on site. Um, we've also seen some of our telco providers experience challenges in getting new circuits run to get folks into facilities where uh, we have termination points. So mm -hmm. we've seen a number of, of those um, types of situations pop up that have extended some of the timelines for projects we wanted to deliver in 2020. Um, and, you know, obviously because of the economic downturn that we've all felt, you know, we've made sure to evaluate all of the projects that we're doing now to make sure right. that they're critical to our success in 2020 and what things we can defer to 2021 as we look towards, you know, the economy recovering. Yeah, no doubt. The the uh, CFO is going to have a closer look on the ROI of, of uh Although there's arguments, of course, um, uh, whether the network is a is a cost or a, you know more of a, um, a driver uh, of uh, revenue at, at certain companies, but um, but in any case, uh, I think things are going to be scrutinized more, no matter what, right? So, thanks for listening to today's episode. If you like the conversations that we're having on this podcast. I think you might be interested in a webinar that we're doing with our friends at Calero MDSL next month. So please join us on August 5th for a discussion about transforming your network with SD-WAN and specifically what that means for telecom expense management. So I will be there and so will experts from the Calero MDSL team. And we're gonna dig into how networks are evolving, particularly with cost savings in mind. So I have no doubt that we'll talk about what is motivating people to switch to SD-WAN, what lessons they're learning, and some of the potential pitfalls for WAN managers to avoid. So I know we're going to get a little technical. We're going to talk about reportings on cost savings. We're going to get into the weeds. Uh, I like the sound of that. So if you do too, please join us. We put a registration link in today's show notes, and we'll also be writing about this one on the Teledrography blog. So hopefully it should be super easy to find uh, the sign up for this event and do so. So if you can't make it on August 5th, no worries, sign up anyway. We'll make sure that we get you access to the recording and send you any related content that might be of interest. So I hope to see everybody there. Yeah, so, you know, um, one of the last things I want to hit here is just sort of looking forward, um, what changes do you think in terms of your WAN uh, do you see as a result of, of having gone through all of this, whether it's just lessons that you learned or whether it's uh, like we had sort of previously discussed some of the, the more permanent changes that might come to uh, the nature of distributed workers. Um, but how do you see that affecting your WAN or just the WAN in general, for that matter, um, as, as someone who's been at different companies and goes to the WAN summits and talks to a lot of your peers? So for us, the impact to our WAN is even though we've moved towards a remote workforce strategy, um, it doesn't mean 
that the circuits can be turned off, right? So mm-hmm. even though you're not watching some channels, you're still paying for it on your cable right. TV is right. the way we like to think about it. So in combination, you know, with real estate examination, in combination with, a, you know, possibly a hybrid workforce, depending upon what you know, direction senior leadership chooses to take, um, we're still rolling forward with SD-WAN migrations. We're still rolling forward with reducing the footprint in some cases for uh, the higher end MPLS-like connectivity in favor of uh, broadband internet at offices mm-hmm. that are, you know, definitely go forward. Um, as for our, you know, larger WAN infrastructure, um, we're in the process this year of, you know, working on uh, transformation for our backbone. And that's obviously still in progress because the data centers will still be there. So right. from a, a high bandwidth, high capacity data center to data center footprint, it hasn't really impacted us. And, and as I mentioned, from a SD-WAN rollout perspective, we're working you know, in partnership with real estate to figure out um, how we continue to move that forward. Um, mm-hmm. With our individual service providers, we've been you know, working with them to make sure that the um, services that we are bringing into offices are the most optimal that we can get there based on the um, population and utilization. Um, yeah, I was, I was going to focus in on that, specifically on MPLS. Do, do you see an acceleration to your pullback on MPLS at all or anything like that? So for us, specific, you know, specifically talking about MPLS and services like that, um, Typically, you're in long-term contracts. And yeah, three to five because, years. That's right. Right, three yeah. to five years. Yeah. And, yeah. and unless it's at the tail end of a contract, it's not like we can go to the service provider and say, hey, everyone's gone home for three months. Can right. we shut the link right. off and not pay for it? Or can we cut the bandwidth in half? Um, you know, there, there are ways to um, talk to your service providers about potentially – you know, scaling back some of the services to push out some of those costs to maybe back end inside, you know, towards the end of the contracts. Um, but, you know, really leaving that to uh, my strategic sourcing partners. There really isn't much you can do from a day-to-day consumption perspective, aside from, as I mentioned, continue to roll out SD-WAN and, and those offices that we know will go forward, where we had already planned to you know, reduce some of that MPLS capacity. Right, right, right. So once it's, once you had already had that rolling and, uh, and not, not uh, like this is going to sort of change that dynamic that, that much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not really much you can do about that. Right. It's really interesting is the, the, my, my last thought here is, is along the lines of, um, we, we're in a position just in the industry where uh, this this event would have looked, I think, very different five years ago than it, than it did now. It's maybe an accident of history, if you will, that, um, that a lot of the folks in, in your position that I've talked to felt like they were they were much more ready for this um, than they would have been maybe at a time when uh, when all of these uh, different factors, SD-WAN, cloud connectivity, even even more robust broadband at home for, for a lot of people weren't there, which which could have been, you know, could well have happened five or 10 years ago very differently, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I remember the days of, you know, uh, dial-up internet, you know, Prodigy or Cubbies are dating myself or AOL. And, you know, you couldn't have done this 
Titan. I want a broadband modem. Although the other thing to consider, right, is during those times, um, most of the end-user applications were green screen anyway, right? Right, it's very simple, right? Yeah, yeah. so so today, um, a lot of what we do, you know, is internet-based and, you know, cloud-based because that's the way the applications have migrated. Right. You know, even if you go in the middle between green screen and where we are today, and you look at the file sharing based, you know, services that we used to use, um, you know, there you had, you know, uh, the file acceleration um, type of services on your on your WAN infrastructure. And, you know, maybe that would have helped a bit. But, yeah, absolutely. If, if we had tried to do this, you know, even five years ago, it, it would have been a completely different picture. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, so so great place to end. But be, before I say goodbye, I always like to a- ask a sort of unrelated question, which is in this case, um, just you know, what are what are you missing the most? You're you're in New Jersey. Things are still pretty locked down there, from from what I understand. Um, when when life returns to some kind of normal, uh, what's what's the first thing that uh, that you're looking forward to getting back to? I want to go to a full service resort, lay on the beach, and <laughs> drink. Dark rum and Diet Coke while I read my book. That's not technical for 10 days. That's, that's, that's what I want to do. That's, right? that, that, uh, I mean, that could that could be any time anyway. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, you that's can't cool. go today, right? Because you know, there are yeah. so many places that are closed. But that, no that's flights. My, yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, as soon as as soon as the flights to uh, the um, uh, Mexican uh, Riviera or whatever exactly. <laughs> gets back online, I I hope that you get to do that. That sounds awesome. Well, all I'm saying, great great location for the next WAN summit. <laughs> yes, I've, I've I've been trying to get them at least to think about Vegas the last few years. We'll see if maybe this helps out. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Michael, thank you so much for joining us. This is really interesting. And, um, and I'd say to the audience, uh, we'll, we'll have some, some notes on this and, and whatnot. Um, and thank you all for listening very much. Thank you for your time, Greg. And thanks everyone. Enjoy your day. Cheers. Thanks very much for listening. The WAN Manager podcast is brought to you by Telegeography, a division of Primetrica Incorporated, and is edited and produced by Jane Miller. I wrote the theme song you're listening to right now, and we get administrative canine support from my dog, Honeybun, who you might hear chiming in from time to time when the mood strikes her. If you want to learn more about our data, head over to telegeography.com where you can find our blog that covers many of the topics we hit here, and you can sign up for our WAN Manager newsletter. Until next time, have a great day.